quick testimony. So let's give it up for our sister, Iris. <laughs> I was with her. Thank you, Jesus. Good morning, saints. It's awesome to be in the house of the Lord. Praise God. Um, I just want to testify a bit of what's going on, what, what, what has been going on in my life. Um, a few months ago, I've been going through some, the Lord has been stretching my faith. And I was lacking in a few things, you know, financially and other things as well. But um, how many of us know that God is a God of miracle? Hallelujah. You know what? Everything happens for a reason. There's a season for your reason. Uh, there's a reason for your season right now. And um, God came through with flying colors. Of course, I expected nothing less. Hallelujah. But the best. So I just want to encourage you. I just want to encourage you that today you may be going through something, but everything, is the, everything that's going on is for a reason. Maybe the Lord is stretching you in one area or the other. You know, I just want to say that with God, all things are possible. And if the Lord is your shepherd, that you will not want. Hallelujah. And that is my verse, Psalms 23, verse 1. And it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack any good thing. I shall not want. So that is my word to you today and, and to encourage you that with God, all things are possible. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just pray. Father, I thank you, Lord God. Father God, that you are the way maker, Lord God. And your children will not lack, Father, because you open doors that only you can open. And you close doors that only you can close, Lord God. And we thank you, Father God, that as a people we cry out to our Father. And we thank you, Jesus, because you are the way maker. Father God, you are the one that opens doors. There is no one like you, Jesus. And we thank you that all things are done for your glory and your honor, Father God. We thank you, Jesus, because you supply the need of the saints, Father God. We thank you that this service, Father God, is empowered, Lord God. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Holy Spirit, Father God. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father God, that the musicians and the psalmist anointings is upon them, Father God. They will be blessed. The word will, be go, will go forth, Father God, as the double-edged sword piercing the heart and thoughts of man, Lord God, and will change and deliver in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Welcome to Metro Praise. We're going to get this worship started in here. Who's excited to be in the house of God this morning? Come on, his presence is already here. I am excited because we're going to worship a living God this morning. Hallelujah. Come on, let's sing it out. Father. 
your freedom. Come on, are you free? We're calling your freedom.
Jesus, the Holy Ghost is inviting you right now into relationship. Jesus loves you. He gave his only son, God gave his only son for you and he loves you.
Jesus. Let's lift up our hands all across this room. The grace of God is sufficient for thee. There is nothing like the grace of our Jesus. I want you to think for a moment. I want you to get a vision in your mind. How great is the God that we serve. He is bigger than our universe. He is beyond the galaxies. Our God is the creator of heaven and earth. There is no one like him. There is no one that measures up to who he is. He created something out of nothing. There is nobody that can do that. Our God is a creator. He saw the earth. The earth that you and I stand upon right now, it was void, the Bible says. It didn't have form. It was dark. And God, in his perfect deity, in his perfect triunity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they saw this formless, dark void. And God said... Let there be light, and there was light. Woo! That's the God that we are worshiping this morning. That is the God that we are praising this morning. It's his amazing grace. It's because of his amazing grace that we stand here today. He wanted fellowship. He wanted fellowship. Jesus, we worship you. As the band begins to play the previous song, we're going to join with them and sing that chorus. 
Jesus, we worship you this morning. There is no one like you, God. You are great and greatly to be praised. this morning in Christ I want you to lift up your voices because he found us while we were in our sin he chose us while we were separated from him he redeemed us from a life of rejection and pain nothing compares to him nothing compares to his great love you were lost but he came to find you. Oh, this amazing grace. I found the love greater than life itself. I found the hope stronger and nothing compares. I once was lost. Now I'm alive in you. Metro Praise International this morning. At this time, I'm going to be preaching the gospel to you, the good news of Jesus Christ. For those that don't know who I am, my name is Nancy Wyrostek. I'm one of the apostolic elders. And I'm going to read this scripture verse, and I want you guys to think about Jesus. There are going to be some of you in this place that are already saved. You've been born again. God's given you a new life, and you're living for him. And then there are others who are rejecting this free gift of salvation that Jesus so desperately wants you to receive. Let's read in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 5. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. I want that to soak in a little bit. While we were dead 
in our sin. God, in his great love for mankind, he who so loved the world, he who is rich in mercy, made us alive through Jesus while we were still dead. Many of you this morning are still dead in your sin because you know that Jesus came, he died on the cross so that we could receive forgiveness of our sin. It is a free gift. There is nothing that we can do to earn it. It is by grace that we have been saved. Every righteous deed we do in and of ourselves, the Bible says, is like a filthy rag before him. There is nothing good in us but God, but the blood of Jesus that is being given and offered to each and every one of us. It is a free gift of salvation. And you can do two things with a gift. You can either receive it or you could reject it. And the Bible uh, warns us about rejecting this grace, about rejecting this salvation. We must be born again, the Bible says. If you reject this way, if you reject Jesus, who is the only way, the Bible says that there is only hell fire for you for all of eternity. But God was rich in mercy. That's not where he wants his creation to go. With all eyes closed and every head bowed all across this room, I want you to know this morning that we will leave this earth one day and we will be faced before judgment, before a holy God. And we will either spend eternity with him forever in heaven or eternity in hellfire. And if we didn't want anything to do with him on this earth, he will not want anything to do with us on that day. So if God is knocking on the heart of your door this morning, you know you have to get right with God. You know you must receive this free gift of salvation. You know you have to receive this grace so that you can be saved. I want you to start praying to him right now. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. It's not my way anymore. I follow your way. Jesus, I thank you that you came to die on the cross. You were buried and you rose again on the third day. I ask, oh God, that you would speak to every single person in this place. And if they are not right with you, that today would be the day of their salvation. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody said, amen. Please stand to your feet with me this morning. If you were serious about praying to God and you mean business about changing your life, being born again, our prayer workers, Pastor Griselda and Joselito, one of our deacons, will be ready to pray with you, to lead you to Christ, to tell you about our discipleship here, how to grow in your walk with God during the fellowship time. I plead with you, I encourage you, come to them for prayer. At this time, we're gonna recite our confession of faith. We do this every week. This is our Christian worldview. As believers in a day and age where society is drifting so far from God, so far from anything that has to do with the Bible, we stand upon this confession. This is how we see the world. This is how we see life. On the count of three, let's recite this together. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world the Son who purchased my salvation and his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. 
I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus, the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Come on. Take some time right now to fellowship. Go greet somebody that you've never met before and have some fun this morning. As distant hearts begin believing Redemption's bid is unrelenting Your love goes on Your love goes on When the world keeps waiting Carry us, carry us Welcome you to Metro Praise International. On behalf of all of the pastors and leaders, thank you for choosing MPI to worship the Lord and hear God's word this morning. Our services here are every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. And then Elevate, they meet every Friday at 7 p.m., ages 11 to 18 years old. So if you know anybody in that age group, invite them, bring them on by. This is the place to be for teenagers on Friday nights. How many of you guys are excited about our Puerto Rican Festival Outreach? Saturday, June 20th, 
9 a.m. to 5 p.m. We want you all to meet here at the church to get ready to go and leave it all on the streets. We're going to be doing one-on-one evangelism, giving away food, doing children's uh, programs out there. We're going to have testimonies and skits. It's going to be a powerful time. So we want to come together, rally together as a church family and hit the streets and just win Chicago for Jesus. The week following right after that, we have a special guest, Pastor Gary Grogan. We're having a weekend of discovering your purpose. Pastor Grogan is very dear to Joe and I. He's been in our life for many years. He actually officiated our wedding, and we are just so excited and honored that he is going to come and be speaking at Metro Praise June 26th at 7 p.m. That is our Friday outreach service. So we want you guys to invite your lost family, friends, and loved ones, neighbors, co-workers. Bring them to that service as well. That, that's, that Friday is a youth service, so it's going to have a creative, spunky edge to it. So we're really excited about all that God's going to do. And then Sunday, June 28th, both services, 10 a.m. and 1 p.m., he's going to be having an impartation service, bringing the word of God and just encouraging us in, the, in our walk with God. Next month, we're so excited about our Devil's Lake retreat. Keep registering. Keep uh, keep paying. It's going to be Friday, July 31st through Saturday, August 1st. We look forward to having some fun in the sun with you guys. Our vision here at MPI is very simple. It's loving God and loving two greatest commandments that Jesus gave to us. Our discipleship strategy is threefold. It's connect, mentor, and send. Say it with me. Connect, mentor, and send. The way we like, we like to connect you here at MPI is through our life groups. On the back of your handout, we have a list of life groups, places, times that we meet, and the types of life groups that we have to meet your family's needs. We encourage you, find a place to belong. You are not meant to walk this walk with Christ alone. There is a family of believers around you that you could get plugged in to encourage you in your faith. And we like to give you a snapshot every week of what's happening. So to kick it off today, we have our single men and women, come on, 18 to 35 years old, meeting here at 4 p.m. at the church. Sunday as well, today we have our single mamas with child care meeting at 5 p.m. Tuesday, we have the Resistance Elevate Life Group. 11 to 18 years old, meeting at the church at 6 p.m. Wednesday, the Righteously Redeemed Elevate Life Group, 11 to 18 years old, meeting at the church at 6 p.m. And then Wednesday, every week, we have our King's Kids Life Group, Royal Rangers for Boys, Impact for Girls. It's infant to 11 years old, meet at the church at 6.30. Parents, you could drop them off, go have a date night, run some errands. It's an awesome time for the children. And then every Friday, we have two adult Bible studies. One is at the Govea's house. The other one is at the, uh, the Walker's. And they all have child care. It's 7 p.m., 18 years and up. If you're an adult, that's the place to be on Friday nights. And this Saturday, come on, Puerto Rican Outreach. Everybody is welcome. Be here at 9 o'clock. We're going to rock it out for Jesus. And then we want to mentor you. Somebody say mentor. We have a 101 book, Welcome to Your New Life. Our leaders are ready to take you through this. When you graduate the 101, we want to take you to the 201. And then we want to send you out to win people for Jesus. And our goal here at MPI is to have 100,000 disciples with 50 churches in Chicago and 500 around the world. If you believe we could do that by God's grace, say amen. Praise the Lord. I know that he can do it. And he wants to use us to do it. How many of you guys know that Chicago belongs to Jesus? It's our responsibility to keep preaching the gospel. At this time, 
We're going to get into the Disciples Giving book. We're going to be learning, continuing our, our lessons on offerings. So we are on section two of the Disciples Giving book. You can follow along in your screen. We are on lesson 10, Offerings Require Obedience. 2 Corinthians 9.13 is the verse that we will be reading. The offering is a gift to God after our tithes. We've been learning about this this whole section. So it's after the tithe. Tithe is a 10% that automatically goes to God. And these offerings is what we give above that through our generous heart and what God tells us to give. So in 2 Corinthians 9.13 it reads, Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, Others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity and sharing with them and with everyone else. Here are the main points from that verse. Number one, prove yourselves. Just like how faith without action is dead, the same is true with love and generosity if it doesn't result in giving. We prove our thankfulness to God by giving generous offerings. So we show God that we're thankful for what he's given to us when we show him how generous we can now be because of his example of generosity when we, gave not, when we now give away what he's given to us to meet the needs of the people, to meet the needs of the people in our city that, that don't have what we have. We are blessed to be a blessing. And through being obedient to God, his generosity to continues to overflow in our life. Number two, obedience to God. When God speaks to your heart concerning giving offerings, you are required to be obedient to his will just as you are to obey his other commands. It's no different. We must give what the Lord is telling us to give when it comes to offerings. And number three, sharing with others. Just like how we teach our children that sharing is caring. How many parents teach your children that? Sharing is caring. We are reminded by Paul that if we truly confess Jesus as our Lord and love the gospel, we should share our finances with others in giving offerings. By doing so, our gifts will result in much praise to God. It will result in much praise to God through our lives and through the lives of the people that we are reaching. Here is a summary. Don't just be a hearer of God's word. Be a doer. Faith and actions. Generosity and giving. Be obedient to give what God asks you to give. Let's apply this. Number one, be a faithful tither. Don't stop tithing. Two, prove your faith by your actions. If you really believe you're blessed to be a blessing, act like it when it comes to giving offerings. And number three, live a life of obedience to all of God's commands. If you believe that with me, stand to your feet with me this morning, please, as we prepare to give God our best. Again, here at MPI, we believe that a tithe is a 10% of your total income. That belongs to Jesus. We can't take that from him. And our offerings here at this church get designated towards two different places. The first place is towards missions. So we like to give missions, uh, offerings towards missions to fund various mission projects throughout the year, as well as our offering goes to our building fund, which we are currently in a building fund to raise monies for our lit up Metro Praise International sign to go in front of the building. So we thank you. Mighty warriors, mighty generous warriors of the Lord. God has called us to rally together to give so that we can meet the needs of his people in the city and to do it with excellence. Amen. We also have two options for you as well. Oh, I will do that. We have two options. We have um, online giving to make it convenient for you as well as paying in the back. You can see myself or Pastor Griselda if you would like to do so. Let's confess this 
over our life, and then we'll go into the scripture verse for our giving. One, two, three. The offering is a gift to God after the tithe and is given in a variety of ways. God said it should be a generous seed given with a cheerful heart from personal sacrifice. Offerings will always bring thanksgiving to God because they go towards charity and ministry supplies. We give offerings in obedience to God's word, sharing with others our blessings with a gracious heart by imitating Jesus and revealing where our treasure really is. Praise the Lord. Let's recite this verse together as we prepare to come on up and celebrate Jesus through giving. Luke 6, 38, Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for showing us how generous you are. And we do desire, God, to be blessed so that we could be a blessing. I ask, O oh Lord, that you would receive our tithe and offering, that you would use this church, the leaders, the elders here, to distribute it as needed. I ask, O oh God, that you would bless the gift and the giver. I pray that you would prosper your people, give them increase and in in raises, open doors for employment. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray, and meet their needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And everybody said... Amen. Please come forward as you give this morning and thank you for your generosity. Give it up for the band. It's all about that grace. Amen, amen. Open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Good to see you here this morning. 
If you guys remember a couple weeks ago, I was really happy that the weather was bad because you all came to church more than you normally do. Uh, when the weather started getting good, you know, people were like, ah, what's church? We got to go out. So I said I would start praying for bad weather that you all would keep coming to church on Sundays in the summer. Well, I need to stop praying that because now it's too bad. People are like, oh, it's raining cats and dogs out there. I can't go to church. So it's like, let's all pray together. Jesus, we ask for the sun again. We ask to see the sun in Chicago, Jesus. And everybody said amen. We want to see the sun. How many believe the sun's a good thing? In the summer, it's a good thing. It's like it's either cold or rainy or like sweltering hot like yesterday. So you can't complain, amen. You cannot complain when the sun comes out like it did yesterday because it was good to have the sun. Hey, I want to put out a special invitation to you today. We have four SUM Bible College graduates that are having a party today. Uh, they're doing their ceremony at 3 and then at 4. And so I just want to put that out to you. If you want to come out, the parking lot's going to be full of their friends and family. I know you have probably been going to graduation parties as well this summer season as it's kicking off. And I just want to let you know you guys can come back as well. Is that okay if they join us, Ishmael? We'll have some hot dogs and things for them. And the singles are going to be there ready to mingle. Well, I got to stop saying that because then I'm going to get in trouble then. Like, well, I'm not going to the singles group because I'm not ready to mingle. But singles, you all come out too. Okay, Ephesians chapter 2. If you're excited to be in the house of God, can I hear a what? What? Amen. So I want you to keep that excitement as we go through the 24 points of grace today. I am covering every one of the 24 points of grace. Last week I got to point four. I didn't get very far. And so literally we're going through every point and I'm going to have my little clock up here because if I spend two minutes on each point, two times 24 is what? 48 minutes, and I normally preach for an hour, so i got to get past my introduction here real quick and get into the 24 points of grace. Are you guys ready here? Say, I'm ready. Let's do it. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, it's all about grace. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Look at your neighbor and say, you are God's handiwork. Look at your other neighbor and say, neighbor, you are God's masterpiece. You are. You are. Now, you may not always act like it. You may not always believe it, but you are God's masterpiece. The moment you got saved, the Bible says you became a new creation. You're not becoming a new creation. The moment you got saved, you were a new creation. Your dirty water bottle was purified, and Jesus is teaching you how to keep it clean and not to dirty it anymore, and then to be resourceful to the world you live in, starting with your family, your job, and community. Look at this verse quickly, for it is by grace you have been saved. The grace of God is demonstrated at the cross. If you want to see grace, look to Jesus and the cross. How many have a mental image of that? Let's put it up there from the, Mel, uh, the movie from Mel Gibson, you know, The Passion of the Christ. This is grace in its fullness, Jesus dying on the cross for sinners. That is the grace of God being poured out. Now, don't think that the grace of God started at the cross. The grace of God was before the 
the cross in creation. God created us by his grace for fellowship. And then when we fell by his grace, he didn't destroy us. By his grace, he gave us the Ten Commandments through Moses and a sacrificial system. By grace, he sent us prophets in the Old Testament scriptures. By grace, he was born, Jesus born of a virgin, lived a sinless life. And so when you see the cross, you don't see the beginning of grace. You see the culmination of grace. You see grace in its highest form, sacrifice for us. Fellowship was at stake. We were separated from God, and this is what Jesus was willing to do to be back in fellowship with you. Okay, so you need to break up with the devil if you've been dating him, and you need to come back to Jesus because the devil will never treat you the way Jesus will. Amen. Thank you for that. Let's go back to our notes. I'll let you guys rock it back there. For it's by grace. Charis in the Greek. Everybody say charis. By God's undeserved and unmerited favor, you have been saved. By charis, by grace, by the lavish gift and blessing of God that we didn't deserve, we have been saved. Now, what does saved mean? It means to be rescued. Rescued from what? Death, destruction, ourselves. We had become our own worst enemies. You and I had chosen our own flavors of sin before Jesus saved us. How many like to go to Baskin-Robbins and get some ice cream in the summer? What, what, like four of you. The rest of you are lying. Don't lie in church. Unless you like somewhere else to get your ice cream. You all know you like ice cream. Okay, like I'll just prove it. Like go get some ice cream right now. Let's see how excited they get, right? Okay, so let's say I start giving out the ice cream, and, you, you know, you can choose what you want and not seem to be snobby, you know, because we don't like snobs, you know. Nobody likes to be snobby. Like, no, I don't want chocolate. I want chocolate chip cookie dough, please, you know. So let, let's just pretend it's okay to really say what you want. Let's say you're out with your parents, and by the way, I've got my mom and dad here. Let's give it up for Jim and Lorraine. Vorostik, all the way from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Awesome parents. So let's say I'm out with my dad, and I'm not going to seem to be snobby. My dad says, get whatever you want. I'm going to take my time. I'm going to look at what they got. Oh, they've got uh, cookie cake dough. What's that one, the, the cookie cake? Cookie, no, no, not cookie dough. Cake batter. Thank you. You know what I'm talking about. Cookie ba uh, Cake batter. Cake batter. I love cake batter, and I love cookie dough, so they can get confusing, but they're separate. They're very separate. Everybody say, let's get it together here. Serious picking out ice cream, okay? Some of you like the fruity kind, strawberry ice cream. You know, you would get that. Or the blueberry ice cream or something with fruit in it, okay? Back in New Orleans, I don't know if they have these here. I think they probably would. Cold Stone? You guys are, no. What were you going to say? Okay, Cold Stone. Thank you. And they would put out whatever fruit you want, whatever things you want, and then mix it up with your ice cream. Some of you people know what I'm talking about. You would just be there. If it wasn't snobby, if we, if we could just treat you out, you would pick out the perfect kind of ice cream that you like. Are you following me? That's how we were with sin. Men, you went to that perfect website, just that one that turns you on enough for pornography. Women, you would know which friends to talk to to get your gossip on. Oh, if I call up them, they're going to be busy. They don't want to hear. Oh, but I know if I call it so-and-so, so-and-so going to say, oh, what, girl? What did she say? Oh, I want to know all about it. Like so-and-so going to make time for me. Other, others of us, it was money. It was greed. Like we had the flavor, the taste of sin for greed. So the Bible is saying he is saving us. Go back to the scripture. He is saving us from our own sinful desires. When I got saved, I didn't just start a self-help program. 
Think of this. Weight Watchers is a self-help program, okay? There's nobody going to be there when you're ready to eat that ice cream. It's going to go slap you and go, don't you do that. You know what I'm saying? There's nobody that's going to do it. It's a self-help program. You sign up. They give you the instructions, and then you start working that program. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like a little thing you do. They're going to tell you how to keep points, and they're going to have you check in and be accountable with them. So it's a self-help thing, though. That's not Christianity. When you came to Christianity, it wasn't like, hey, God, I want to sign up for this. I want my life to change. I'll come to church every week. I'll talk to the people about how I'm doing on this, and then one day I'll lose some spiritual weight and be more in shape. That's not salvation. You know what salvation is? You being dead. Dead. Dead as a doornail. There you are. Dead in your sins. You can't help yourself. The only thing you've ever become being self-made is the self-made mess. There you are dead, and then Jesus comes to your heart. You become alive. And as you become alive, he changes your desires. Let's give it up for the sound, guys. Thank you, sir. If you would have brought that with a little bit of lime and just, you know, like a little cloth, you know, it would have been perfect. <laughs> it was just so funny the way he came up with two hands. I love you, Drewski. Thank you. Let's give it up for Drewski, ski, ski, ski. Doing it. Love you, bro. So check this out. You had your flavor of sin. You were all into that, and you were dead in your trespasses, separated from God. But by his grace, his charis, his undeserved merited favor given to you, his gift of favor and blessing, by that love you have been saved, rescued from your own evil desires. You now have a desire to serve God. You now have a desire to do what's right. If you have not been saved from your sins and given a new heart with new desires, you are still lost, the Bible says. And I don't say this to mock you. I just want to be very honest with you. You have done something other than Christianity. Christianity. You have done religion. You got water baptized. You shook a pastor's hand. You said a cool prayer, a cute prayer, whatever. But you did not experience true salvation. True salvation of the Bible is literally going from death to life. How many had that kind of experience with Jesus? It is a true life transforming experience. I went from being a sinner to a saint, from enjoying my sin, feeling no conviction about it, to the next moment having desires to live differently. And then when I did this sin out of an old habit, I would feel grieved. I would feel like I did something wrong. I had my conscience awaken where it was never wrong. Is anybody with me? Like before you became a Christian, did you ever feel bad for cussing? Now that you've become a Christian, do you know a difference? Why? Because the Holy Spirit's in you saying, don't let any unwholesome word come out of your mouth. I mean, really, let's be honest. Men, how many times did you feel guilty before you became a Christian lusting in your heart after women? I mean, how many times you'd be like, oh, I really shouldn't be doing that. Like, no, I shouldn't be thinking about it. Come on, guys, let's be real. Come on, ladies. Here's my, here's my typical thing for, for people's sin by gender. Guys lust, girls gossip, okay? Now, I know girls can lust and I know guys can gossip, but that's just my typical thing. You guys following me? How many times would you guys gossip and not feel bad? How many times would you spend your own money just not think about anybody else and, and feel bad? Hardly ever, if at all. But a true Christian now has the Holy Spirit on the inside of them. They've been made new, and now sin doesn't feel right. It's like a pebble in the shoe. It's like a little blister. It's like a little thing. Have you ever been doing something outside, and you just get the slightest little, what do they call that thing? A splinter. Thank you. Have you ever had, anybody here ever have a splinter before? Doesn't that just bother you? 
How many would rather just amputate your finger at times than to go through that? How about this, stubbing your toe? Have you ever stubbed your toe? Have you ever just wished right then, call the medevac, we got an amputee victim coming in or whatever, we're going to amputate my toe, get the throbbing to stop. Well, that's what sin feels like. It's not a little thing anymore that doesn't matter. It feels different in the Christian's life. And that's why the Bible says we've been saved from it to not live in it anymore. And how have we been saved? Through faith. Everybody say, through faith. So if right here is a door, an imaginary door, and I am walking into this door, now I'm saved, lost, saved, lost, saved. What is the doorway I'm walking through? Faith. Everybody say faith. I am saved through faith. Some people say, can I lose my salvation? Yes. How would you go out of this door? What's the opposite of faith? Unbelief. Judas stopped believing in who Christ was. He stopped believing in who Jesus was. Judas stopped believing. You can stop believing in who Jesus is, and that's very serious. That's called a backsliding. You went through the door of faith, received salvation. God has transformed you. And like the proverb says, a dog returns to its vomit. A pig goes back to mud. The backslider goes back to unbelief. Very serious. It's not sin, but sin can lead to unbelief. Sinning in the Christian's life can be dealt with through forgiveness if they mean it and truly repent. This is not a license to keep sinning, but it is grace to know if I sin in Christ, I can be forgiven. 1 John 1, 1, uh, 2, 1 says, I write you these things that you do not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous, who is not only our propitiation, but the propitiation for the sins of the world. 1 John 2, 1, look it up just in case you thought I was making stuff up. Okay? We are saved by God's grace through faith. And is it of ourselves? Do we save ourselves? Think of you in the ocean. You're drowning. You're going down. There's no life jacket. You have lost all energy. You can no longer swim. The raging sea is all around you. The wind is blowing. And all of a sudden, you see the Coast Guard helicopter. You're getting happy, right? They lower down the thing that the guy is on. He throws out the life jacket. Just like my wife said in the gospel presentation, it is a gift. Now you have a choice. You can reject it and say, no, let me die. Or you can get on to that life jacket or hold on to the man's arms. Are you with me? But what you cannot do is take credit for saving yourself. You can say, I made a choice to hold on. I made a choice to be saved. I didn't reject it. You can say it was your choice. But you can't say you saved yourself. Christians, we have not saved ourselves, but we had to make that choice. God is not a divine kidnapper. He doesn't come like the old cavemen cartoons and bop you on the head and say, you're coming to heaven with me, whether you like it or not. No, all of us have been given the choice of free will. Watch, I'm going to teach you how to be sassy with your free will. Everybody just raise up your hand because I'm asking you to do it. I'm asking you to do it. Raise up your hand. Now you put it down whenever you want. You put it down whenever you want. See, it's your free will. You choose what you put your faith into, what you believe, what you're going to pursue with your life. Just like how you decided when you're going to put down your hand. You decide whether or not you're going to trust in Jesus and fight, listen to this biblical term, fight the good fight of faith. You're going to then another biblical term, hold on to faith. Why? Because you don't want to, third biblical term, shipwreck your faith. All three of them. Fight the good fight of faith your whole life. Holding on to faith and then never shipwreck your faith. And I hear an amen. It's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is the gift of God. God gave his son to us. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. 
Okay, that's the gift of God. It's not by works. We're not doing the sacraments of the Roman Catholic Church, doing the prayers towards Mecca of Islam or the yoga of Hinduism to try to beat the karmic cycle. Are you listening? It's okay to diet. It's okay to exercise. It's okay to pray at certain times of the day if you choose. But that is not what saves the soul. Jesus alone is what saves the soul by his good works, and you enter into that by faith because it was a gift given to you. Amen? This is Gospel 101. But the good news is, is after you've been saved, you've been called to be God's handiwork. And I always have to insert the word that I learned here, which was God's workmanship. Everybody say workmanship. This is a modern translation, so it says God's handiwork. But this is the same thought, workmanship, masterpiece, handiwork. God did not save you to be broke, busted, and disgusted and to have a mess of a life. God doesn't want to bless your mess. God wants to do better than all the rest, amen? God wants to turn your frown upside down. He wants to bless you to be a blessing. He wants you to get out there and work it. Everybody say, work it. Look at your neighbor and say, twerk it. This is holy in church, holy in church. It is holy to twerk it for Jesus because it has nothing to do with your backside, ladies, nothing to do with that. Can I tell you how I whistle while I twerk? This is how I do it. Right now, as I'm looking at my Bible, I am twerking for Jesus. That's what I'm doing. You all want to see me twerk? It's not going to get nasty. It's not going to get dirty. Like you all act like you too spiritual for this in church. You know, all you all know what the word means. So let's just be honest. I'm going to take it and use it for God. Don't look at me like I'm crazy. I'm twerking right now. See, that's how you work and twerk for Jesus. Read your word, pray, honor your family, do well on your job as unto the Lord. You know, come to church with a smile on your face. Amen. Be joyful. Encourage one another. When you go through hardships, don't complain, don't criticize, don't compare. Twerk for Jesus. Amen. Everybody say, get your twerk on. You know what we mean. And God created these things in Christ Jesus and prepared them in advance for us to do. Now, this is the part, obviously, I can't spend a lot of time on, but let me just blow your mind for a minute. We do weddings in this place all the time, right? We just had a wedding two weeks ago with Lance and Melissa, I think a month ago, right, with you guys, and uh, Marcel and Laura. Let's give it up for them. Varchugs are married. Amen. And we do weddings. We love weddings. But listen, when they show up there, God has already prepared for them to be there. It's no accident. Even in our sins, God prepares good works. If we have a single mom here today and you say, yep, I messed up. Shouldn't have had sex before I was married. But you know what? God prepared a good work for you to be a mother now. Everything the devil tries to do for bad, God is having a good work to turn it for good. So don't see in the failure a, a sense of giving up and discouragement. See in everything you do, look for it, pray for it. Where is the good in this? I mean that. Where is the good in this? We look at the Egyptian Christians giving their lives in martyrdom. That's some serious business, isn't it? Jonathan Edwards, he wrote out 70 things when he was in seminary that he was going to live his life by. 70 things. Think about this. A young college student wrote out 70 things I'm going to do in life. And one of them was, whenever I think of myself in pain, I won't have a pity patty party. These are my words. But I'll think about the punishment of hell and the suffering of the martyrs and be thankful for what God has given me. Hello. 
Think about that next time your tummy aches. I'm not in hell and I'm not being beheaded. Thank you, Jesus. But even the martyrs get to thank God for suffering in his name. But watch this, watch this. What does suffering produce in us? Suffering produces in us a greater faith because whatever we're suffering, whatever's causing the suffering, helps us see that that's not what we can hope in. Think about it. So you, some people say, I don't know if I can do the good work of getting through sexual abuse. You know what? Your faith can be strengthened because you'll know your happiness can never be founded in a man or any other person. God alone can make you who you are. That's it. Maybe some of you were abandoned by your parents, and you say, how can I have a good work out of that? That was terrible. Yes, it was. They will get punished, and, and, and that's all true. I'm with that. But God can use it to strengthen your faith to let you know that moms and dads don't satisfy your soul for eternity. Only God does. Physical health. Everybody's going to die one day, so every time you get sick, you have to go through the little sniffly whifflies. You're being reminded, this body's not forever. Get ready for your soul to go somewhere forever, either heaven or hell. Do you get how every time you suffer, even in the midst of tragedy, you can see your strength coming through faith. Faith will see you through. And that's why when you look across the world, even many of you here today, uh, and, and everything you've been through, the hardest things you've been through, what has gotten you through? Your faith. And how did you come out of that stronger in your faith? Can I hear an amen? I still got 24 points to go through. This is just the introduction in advance for us to do. That's it. Everybody get up for Jesus, Math, uh, Ephesians 2.8. Let's go 24 points. Those are the definitions of grace. There's sheep grace, costly grace. We went through that last week. We're going through the 24 attributes of God's grace. Can I get Vinny up on the keyboard here? Because I want him to make it a little bit exciting while we're going through this. So like every time like I get to the next point, I want to be like a little keyboard like dun, 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 dun. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Quickly, open up your Bibles with me to John 1.16. Here's what we're going to do. We are going to show that there are 24 components at least that I could find in the Bible that describe grace. So all of us already probably have an understanding of grace, but we're going to now get the depth of God's grace. Here's how I want you to look at it. This is the medicine of heaven. If you miss these components, you're not going to have the fullness of God's grace. Thank you. Okay, so like right now while we're getting our scriptures, let's go. John chapter 1. Verse 16 and onward. Out of the fullness we have received grace. Are y'all looking at the Bible up here? Y'all can read, right? Okay, I want you to help me read. Everybody say, help me, Pastor, to help you. I'm helping you to help me. Out of his fullness we have all received in place of already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? So we have received grace in place of grace already given. He is the fullness of grace. So grace is not just a thing, like I'm giving you a thing called grace. No, grace is a person, and his name is Jesus, and it's the way he acts. So when I say you're really gracious, you know another word of what I'm saying is you're really Christ-like. Wow, when you forgive me when I mess up, Boy, you're so gracious. You're so much like Jesus. That's what Jesus does. Jesus forgives me of my sins. But when you hold it against me, you're not acting like my Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, I got a new F word for you. Say, I got a new F word for you. Every time you hurt me, I'm going to say it. Every time you let me down, I'm going to say this F word. Look at your neighbor and say, here it comes. 
I forgive you. I forgive you. That's my new F word. I forgive you. What is dirty about saying F word and I forgive you? Are y'all in church or are you guys at some like, I don't know. I don't even know where else you would be right now. But y'all in church ready to learn something? That's the best F word you'll ever know when people hurt you. I forgive you. Christ forgave me. I forgave you. Grace is not just a thing. It's a person. You ready for number two? Let's go to number two. The second thing we need to learn about grace is that grace saves us unto good works. We've read it, Ephesians 2.8. The next thing that we learn about grace is that it justifies us. Turn there quickly, Romans 3.24. What does it mean to be justified? Justification is a legal term. It's when your debts have been paid and now you're just in the court of law. Everything's good. You're just. We don't use those words in our court system, but that's how they talked back then. We would say innocent or time served. You know, like if you'd never did anything, you'd be innocent rather. That's not the example rather. What I want to say is if you had been wrong and you served your time, they would say, you're all good. You've paid your debt to society. You can roll out. You want to know one word for you're all good. You've paid your debt to society. You can roll out. You want to know what that word is? Justified. And what does it mean in God's, in God's kingdom? Just if I'd never sinned. When Jesus puts the blood over you and the blood over me, he doesn't remember our past. He doesn't hold it against us. He says, you're justified. And I can say, Jesus, what does that mean? And he says, well, say it like this. I'm just like I never sinned. Okay, you're justified. I'm just if I'd never sinned. Everybody say, I'm justified never sinned says and all are justified freely by his grace through redemption that's another legal term that means to be bought you are justified you are now innocent in the court of God because you have been bought and that came by Jesus Christ amen let's go to the next one number four Number four, the grace of God gives us the forgiveness of all sins. Go quickly to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. How many believe Jesus Christ forgives you of all of your sins? Every sin is forgiven. Why? Because of the grace of God. How many are happy for the grace of God? How many believe we should give the grace of God to other people? Amen. In him, verse 7, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Everybody say God's grace is so rich. Come on, look at your neighbor. You don't believe it. Say he's so rich. He can pay all my debts and yours too. Here's the problem that we have with this right here is that we think that because we're forgiven, we can just keep sinning like it's no big deal. The reason why grace is forgiveness or equals forgiveness for us is because Jesus shed his blood. So every time you think sin is just something that Jesus is cool with and that grace is cheap, look to the cross next time before you sin and weigh that temptation out. I can either sin against the one who loves me and shed his blood for me, or I can look to the cross and say, I owe him my life. I will live for him. I won't go back to my old ways. His blood was precious to wash me. Why become dirty again just to be washed again? Don't live in sin. 
and make an excuse and say God's grace is cool with it. God's grace is not cool with it. It cost Jesus his life. You shouldn't love sin. You should love God, and that should be because of God's grace. Amen? And his grace is rich towards us that he says, I can take care of your sins, but he can't do this. So you know one thing that God can't do? There's, there's just something you got to understand. He can't do. He can't make you love him. He can't make you do that. He is not a divine kidnapper, nor is he a divine rapist. Don't ever put God in the category of a rapist. He will not force his love upon you. He won't come to your house in the middle of night and go, hey, it's just me, and shut the door, corner you into a room. Hello, somebody say, hey, my Jesus. He's not going to come like that. You know what Jesus does? Stands at the door and knocks. Do you let him in? He will not force himself upon you. So do you want his grace to transform you? Do you want his blood to wash you clean? Do you want to be free from your sins? Is that a desire you have in your heart? If you do, you got all that you can ever want because that's who God is forgiving. That's who God is cleansing. That's who the blood is for. Can I hear an amen? Thank you. Let's go now to number five. The grace of God gives us our new identity. 1 Corinthians 15.10. All these notes are online. 1 Corinthians 15.10 talks about where our identity comes from. How many know when you got saved, God changed who you were? He gave you a new name. And I'm not just talking about now you, you went from, you know, one, like, name on your license to another name. I'm talking about a new name that summarizes who you are. Before you knew Jesus, listen, this is going to mess with some of you because, you, you know, you think you were a cutesy sinner. You think you were like, oh, I'm just thinning every now and then. I'm still cute. No, no, no. This is what you were before Christ, child of the devil. That's what you were, a child of the devil. That's what I was, a sinner. The Bible says that we were wretched, miserable, blind, poor, naked, messed up. We were tore up from the floor up, needing to check up from the neck up. All of us would have busted hell wide open. Every single one of our sins was enough to send us to hell. Adam and Eve's sin, just disobeying, eating another fruit, was enough to get them kicked out the garden. All of our lies, all of our sins. But guess what? The Bible says, but. How many are happy for some big old butts in the Bible? I like these big butts and I can't deny. All these other brothers. How many are happy for big butts in the Bible? But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was without no effect. No, I worked harder than them all, yet not I, but the grace of God that was within me. I am what I am by the grace of God. I am a good father by the grace of God. I am a pastor, one of the best in the city. No, I'm just kidding. Half kid. By the grace of God, you are what you are by the grace of God. Now watch this. You want to outwork people? You want to be successful? Because the grace of God doesn't make you sit on your backside and do nothing at the job and say, oh, I'm just in the grace of God. No, 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 no. The grace of God will have you work hard. The grace of God will have you make sacrifices. The grace of God will have you be the best because it's the grace of God working within you. So y'all take that grace of God to your job tomorrow. Get to work. Amen. Show that job. Show that place where you're at that Christians are the best at what we do. Amen. Let's go to number six. The grace of God sets us free from the master of sin. 
Quickly, Romans 6.14. We read this last week. Romans 6.14. When we were sinners, we were slaves to sin. Does everybody agree with that? Even though sometimes you could control your addictions, a lot of the times you had addictions that you didn't even know because they were part of your habits. Like we used before in the example, you know, cussing, gossiping. These were part of our habits, right? How about complaining, not forgiving? We didn't even know we were addicted to not forgiving, but we just didn't forgive, right? You all tracking? And the reason was is because we were slave to sin. Sin manifested itself in all those different flavors. And we picked the ones that we liked. We thought that this would make us happier, but what it really did was make us in bondage. But the grace of God sets us free. For sin, talking to the Christian, shall no longer be your master. Everybody go, uh-uh. Sin, you got to go. Woo, sin, you will no longer be your, our master because I am on, not under the law, but I am under grace. Everybody shout it out. I am under grace. Amen. Let's go to number seven. The grace of God calls us into ministry. Look at your neighbor and say, you have a ministry. Galatians 1.15, you have a ministry. You know what it means to minister? It means to serve. You have a place to serve, your job, your family, here in the church. It's not all about us. It's about us doing things for people. How many like when somebody does something nice for you? Do unto others as you want done unto you. How, how about this? We'll say it another way. Make happen for others what you want to have happen to you. Wouldn't you like somebody to take you out to lunch today? Take somebody else out to lunch. Wouldn't you like somebody to compliment the, what you're wearing today? Compliment what they're wearing. Sow the seeds of what you want to reap in life. And even if the people you're doing it for don't give it back to you, your peace will be in your soul. Your reward is in heaven. Amen? Look at this. This is the ministry that Paul was called to and all of us are called to. But it says, but when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so I might preach him among the Gentiles. Everybody say, I'm called to preach. You're called to reach, teach, and preach everywhere you go. Reach, teach, and preach. Reaching out to people. Preaching to people. Teaching people. That's what you and I are called to do. Let's go to number eight. The grace of God builds up our lives. How many want some uh, extra additions in their lives, some extra blessings? You want your life to get built out for God. Amen? Go with me to Acts 20, 32. Unless some of y'all are just okay in that one studio apartment. That one-bedroom studio apartment. I don't want to just have a spiritual studio apartment. No offense to studio apartments, by the way. If that's what you like here in the city, I get it because it's maybe easier to live by the, the train you like or downtown. But spiritually, don't you just have a one-bedroom studio apartment. Get a mansion in Jesus. Build out your life. Here's a room called the fruit of the Spirit. Here's another room built out in my life called the gifts of the Spirit. Here's another room built out called my acts of service, which I do unto Christ. Here's another room that God built in me. It's all Him. It's all Him. Here's another room, generosity. Here's another room that He built a good attitude in me. See, God builds us as His houses, and He don't want it just to stay as a studio. He wants the whole world to drive by and go, who lives there? It's me, Joe, a son of God. Want to come over? Because what he's done for me, he'll do for you. He says, now I commit you to God and to the word of his, I commit you to the word of his grace, which can build you up. See, y'all thought I was just preaching to be funny. Aren't you glad I got a Bible behind me? You're like, well, what are we clapping for? You know, we're clapping all the time. We're clapping because it's in the Bible. 
which can build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. Is there anybody here that wants their life built up? Is there anybody here that wants an inheritance? Is there anybody here that's been sanctified, set apart for God's plan? I'm not living in the devil's projects anymore. I'm moving on up. I'm moving. I'm just a singing preacher today. Moving on up to the grace side. Finally got a piece of the pie. I'm not jealous of you because God's got my own inheritance for me. He's got one just for me. You've heard the story, but I'll tell it again. Man gets up to heaven. Peter's walking him through the gates. He says, let's just pass through some of our warehouses before we get to where the action is. He's passing through the warehouses with Peter. He starts seeing people's names on the door like you would see at a U-Haul facility, you know, like a storage facility rather. You, you know, you store it yourself there. He's seeing people's names on it. He's like, what's that? Peter says, don't you worry about that. Let's just get past this. We got to get to the good stuff here. Keep walking. All of a sudden, he sees a door with his name on it. He's like, now, Peter, you got to tell me what this is. He says back to, to, to Peter, says back to the man, you don't want to know. Trust me. You don't want to know. He says, Peter, I want to know. He says, okay. Peter pulls out his keys, opens up the door, and all he sees is just magnificent things just everywhere, just blessings everywhere. And, and he says to Peter, what is this? He says, these were the things God had for you, but you never asked him for, and they were just laid up here for your inheritance. I double-dogged somebody. I double-dogged there somebody to empty out the inheritance God has for you upon this earth so you can be a blessing. Y'all just think I'm making up stuff. That was made-up story, but think about it. He's got so much for us, and we're just sitting here going, God, I'll just take the crumbs, go to heaven all busted and disgusted, not bringing anybody with me, not changing any lives. Some of you are like, man, I don't even want to do a lot for God. Well, shame on you. There's a world of 7 billion people. You should want to do something for Jesus. Some of you are like, well, I don't have a lot of ambition in my life. Shame on you. Your children are looking up to you. You should have ambition. Set the goal for them. And then some people are like, well, I don't need a lot of money. Make a lot of money and give it away so that the church can have missions all over the world. 500 churches. Use your gifts and talents for God and start where you're at right now and say, build me up, Jesus, and give me an inheritance. I think I took eight minutes on that one. We got a lot of ones to go here. Come on. Number nine, the grace of God gives us eternal life. Romans 5.21. Is that all right? Does anybody have eternal life in here? Did you get it yourself? Where would you buy that eternal life? Does it come in purple? Size 11? Can I go get it? Where you get eternal life? Look at what the Bible says. Eternal life. Romans 5, 21. It says, so just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through you in the righteous. Let me start over again. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Somebody say, Jesus is bringing me eternal life through grace, through grace. Thank you. Let's go to number 10. We're almost halfway there. The grace of God gives us power to do the works of God, Acts 4.33. How many have ever, don't raise your hand because I don't want you to be embarrassed, but how many of you ever have just felt like it's hard serving God? It's hard getting up in the morning to come to church. It's even harder to get here on time. Hello. You ever feel that way? It's like so hard. It's so hard. 
Nobody understands. It's hard to read my Bible. It's hard to pray. It is so hard to come to church with all these kids. And it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to hear pastor preach 24 points. It's hard. It's hard. Feel sorry for me. Look at Acts chapter 4, verse 33. The grace of God gives you power to do his works without complaining and to be happy about it. My pastors, uh, my parents' pastors back at home has a great saying. He says to the people in the church, he says, are you happy? Do you have the joy of the Lord? And then they go, yeah, we're happy. And he goes, well, let your face know. It's okay. Let your face know what your heart is feeling. Are, Are you happy? Why don't you show somebody today? Show them that Jesus changed your life. Amen? Oh, I'm so happy to serve God. How many are happy to serve God? Amen? It says, with great power, the apostles continue to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And look at this. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy person among them. All right, we need teen, We need volunteers for Teen Challenge. Okay, who's volunteering? I'm excited, Pastor. I want to go volunteer. Okay, we need volunteers for Bariqua Fest. Okay, who wants to hand out the arroz con candules? Here I am, Pastor. I got the grace of God. I can do this. I got to just brag on Sarupa. I put up on a Facebook post. I said all 365 of my daily devotions that God gave me the grace to write are organized by month, but they're not formatted correctly. I put it up on Facebook. I said, anybody need a job, I'll pay you to do this. So Rupa, this awesome scholarly woman who manages a great business, said, I'll make time to do this whole thug dizzle for you, and I'll do it for free. And she did it by the grace of God. Thank you. Thank you. The grace of God will help you do what you need to do for God. Amen. Look at Romans 11.5. The grace of God has chosen us to be a remnant to serve God. You ever look at the world we're in right now and you feel alone as a Christian? You're like, oh, my goodness. Nobody's living for, jo- for Jesus right now. Nobody on my job. They have lost their minds. Have you ever watched TV and felt that way? This world has lost their mind. Y'all watch TV? Y'all have a TV. You ever think people lose their mind when you watch TV? How about on your job? You go to the break room, you just, you just hear people talking, you're like, they have lost their mind. And then all of a sudden, you, you as a Christian, you, you just feel like now like you're becoming a prepper, you know? Like one of these people who's got to build out a dungeon somewhere way out, you know, like a bomb shelter, some out in the country. Like, we're alone. There's nobody here. Nobody wants Jesus. It's just me and my child, and we're just going to go hide in the woods. The whole place is burning down. I mean, let's just be real. I mean, when you see Baltimore, you see the riots, you see all that's going on in the world, you just sometimes feel like, man, what is happening? But this is what God said. Look at what he said. He chose us for this time. It says, so too, at the present time, is a remnant chosen by grace. We may not be the majority here on this earth, but we are a remnant chosen by God. God says, I am pulling you out of your family to be a testimony. I am pulling you out of your high school. Come on, Ulysses. I am pulling you out, Isaiah, to be a testimony. I am pulling you out, moms and dads, and using you to be my remnant. It's not an accident that you're the only one saved here. You're there by my grace to be a shining light and a voice in the wilderness. 
Come on, let's keep going. Let's keep going. You all ready for this? Number 12, we're halfway there. The grace of God empowers us to work hard for Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15.10. Matter of fact, we already talked about that. It's just a reiteration. Let's go to number 13. The grace of God gives us, watch this, eternal encouragement and hope. Go with me to 2 Thessalonians 2.16. How many need encouragement today? How many need hope today? Right? How about this? Hope beyond the scope of your human limitation. Sometimes when we hope in the things of this world, they disappoint us and then we lose our hope. We need hope beyond the scope of what we can only see. Look at what the Bible says. We can have eternal encouragement. That means we don't have to be discouraged because eternally God is with us. We don't have to lose hope because these things here in this world, they'll always let us down. But we get our hope from God. Let me just ask you to put up a video real quick. Ellie, go to my Facebook page. Put up the video of me going to one of my professor's funeral yesterday. Let me just share this with you as he gets the video ready. So he was from the south side of Chicago, got saved, and then he went to New Orleans. I got saved in Indiana and went to New Orleans to go to the Bible college that he was working at. Okay, He pastored me there. He was part of a team of leaders. I was in his church as a youth pastor. I worked with him. And this week, or the week that just passed, he died. He had heart failure and liver failure, and they couldn't transplant both, so he wasn't a candidate because you can only do one, and he had both issues. He died. Thankfully for where they were choosing to put the wake, they went back up to Chicago. So I got to go yesterday to this man of God's wake. Okay, this is the funeral. This, this is the caskets in the front. His wife is there on the front row with his daughter, who's a little bit younger than me, and his son, who's a little bit older than me. You all got the picture right here. But this is the thing I want you to get as Ellie's pulling it up. They said, we don't want anybody wearing black or funeral clothes. We want you coming wearing bright colors because this man was a man of God. Now, as I walked into the church, this is the funeral. Put it up and let them hear. This is the funeral. This is me sitting down going, thank you, Jesus. This is the man of God, Pastor Wade Southern. Play it for us, please. Have you ever been to a funeral like this? That's his wife. That's his son. You see... They understand eternal hope and encouragement is in Jesus Christ. I think they understood that. It's okay to cry. She is sad. She is grieved. But when I came in, that's how they were going through those trials. Why? Because they knew this scripture right here. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself, God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope. Encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Do you need some strength today? It comes by the grace of God. You need encouragement today? It comes by the grace of God. Do you need a good word today? Do you need to meditate on different thoughts than what you've been thinking on? I know that I can get stressed out by different thoughts. I know the grace of God is there to give me a word, to give me strength. Can I hear an amen? Number 14, the grace of God gives us spiritual gifts. Everybody say top 10. Okay, we get it to the top 10 right now. Spiritual, God, uh, spiritual gifts come by the grace of God. 
Everybody say, he's so spiritual. See, sometimes we look at people in the church and we're like, oh, you're just so spiritual. How'd you get so spiritual? Does anybody talk like that? Maybe you don't, but that's okay if you do. We still love you. But, you know, like, oh, you're so spiritual. You know where people get spiritual gifts from? They don't get it from, like, the spiritual gift tree that just pops and hits them on the head. No, it says we all have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance to faith. If it's serving, then serve. Teaching, then teach. Encouragement, then encourage. Giving, then give generously. If it's leading, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Why? Because it's given to us by the grace of God. No one has been left out. You have gifts on the inside of you by God's grace, and he wants them to come out. What gifts do you have? Let's just go through this real quick. How many think your gift is prophesying? Raise your hand. Okay, like four of you. Awesome. How many of you say your gift is serving? You just like to help people. Raise your hand. How many think it's teaching? Like you can teach people a thing or two. Come on, raise your hand. How many think it's encouraging, man? You can give somebody some encouragement. How many think it's giving? You like to give out lunch. You like just to hang out with people. Bring them to your house. How many think it's being a leader? You want to lead in life. Show people the way, right? How many think it's just showing mercy? You're going to cry and do it with people. Come on. Do it all cheerfully. Why? Because God has given it to you by his grace. How about this? No, let's go to number 15, Romans 12, 3. The grace of God teaches us not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. The grace of God puts us in our place if we ever get too prideful. If I ever get too prideful thinking, oh, look at me, I'm a pastor, I do this and that. Or look at me, honey, I'm the best husband in the world, whatever. If I start beginning to not listen and humble myself, I'm actually outside the grace of God. Because the grace of God, though it gives me gifts, the grace of God tells me all these wonderful things about me and who I am in Christ, the grace of God also tells me that it's all about Jesus and that I shouldn't try to pretend I don't need Jesus. See, some people here think you don't need Jesus, like you can handle it on your own. That's pride. The grace of God says, don't you think of yourselves more highly than you ought. What did the economy going out show us uh, in 2008? Don't think of your job more highly than you ought. I remember being out with people. I, you know, remember when the real estate boom was booming? Well, we, we, me and some of my friends, we were about ready to get into some real estate. And that was at the height. And I'm so glad God kept me from getting into it at that time. But, you know, 2007, 2008, oh, man, these mortgage guys, these realtors, these guys were so cocky. Like, oh, man, I just, I just made a million last year. I'm going to make a million point five. We got it all together, man. I got so many deals in the works. Just cocky. You know, you got time for church. No, I'm just so busy making and spending money. You see, when we start to think of ourselves more highly than we ought, we're not in the grace of God. We shouldn't be condemning ourselves, saying, I'm miserable, nobody likes me, nobody wants to be my friend. No, but we should say, I am what I am by the grace of God. Without God's grace, I'm nothing. Are you with me? It says, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you. Who is he talking to? Every one of you. One more time. By the grace given me, I say to every one of you. Don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Let's go to number 16. The grace of God produces good fruit. Colossians 1.6. How many want to have good fruit in life? If you have bad fruit, you know where you check? The root. If you have bad fruit, you check the root. You ever hear somebody cuss and they act like it was like a hiccup, like, oh, I didn't mean to do that. Where did that come from? 
Oh, sorry, I don't know where that come from. No, you're cussing. You got bad fruit because you got a bad root. You ever see a guy look at a girl, do whatever? I've seen this all the time, hanging out with dudes, just looking like, oh, man, you know, I just can't help but look, you know, but my wife knows I love her. My wife, no, 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 no. You got bad fruit because you got a bad root. Well, you know what? I would give in the church, you know, if I had more because when I have more, I'm going to give more. I don't need to, you know, I don't want to tithe right now because God knows I can't. And, you know, no, 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 no. And then they'll say, like, well, that's not really the way I am. I'm really a generous person. No, you're not. You're greedy. You're putting money before God. You're acting like that because you have bad, you have bad fruit because you have a bad root. How many want good fruit? Fruits of generosity, fruits of kindness, fruits of purity, fruits, 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 dude, fruits of peace and kindness. How many want those fruits? But I used to make these voices when I was a kid, Mom. Was I always animated? You don't know when you don't care. You don't know. I don't know and I don't care. Why are you asking me this? Move on with the sermon. Only my mom. Only my mom. Just move on. Here it has. Here it is. Good fruit comes from grace. That has come to you in the same way the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. When you truly understand God's grace, the fruit of the Spirit starts bubbling out. You know, you're like, oh, man, I forgive you. What? Where did that come from? I normally would not forgive you. But God's grace is accidentally bubbling out now. All of a sudden, you're busy on your way to work, and you see a homeless person, you actually care. You're like, oh, let me stop and talk to you. Hey, how can I help you? And you're walking away going, why did I just do that? Because good fruit is bubbling out. What's in the cup comes out when it spills. Whatever's in there comes out when it spills. Do you understand? And so what God is saying, I'm going to put good in your life. I'm going to put good in your life. And you're not going to have to work at it. You don't see an apple tree going, ah, 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 I'm trying so hard for apples to come out. No. All that apple tree has to have is good roots to bear good fruit. Take care of those roots and that tree, and it will bear good fruit. Let's go to number 17. The grace of God enables us to build Christ's church. 1 Corinthians 3.10. How many like church? I'm here glad it's here today. How many when people talk about church around you, you get a little riled up? I don't want to be talking about my church like that. Are you, like, they'll say, like, you'll be like, oh, I go to church. And they'll be like, you go to church? You know, and this is how they sound. Can I, just, can I just pause this for a minute? You go to church? Oh, my gosh, you go to church? Look at those pastors. Look at all the money they're making. That's how people sound like that. Oh, you go to church? Look at this. All them religions are the same. I'm spiritual, but I don't go to church. Thank you can keep playing now. It didn't work as well as I thought. But that's how people sound. How many, when you hear stuff like that, you're like, don't talk about my church like that. I was like that before I was even a pastor. I'm like, man, you don't know the kind of churches I go to. The kind of churches I go to, the pastors are there for me. The leaders have been there for me. When they let me down, they apologized. The kind of churches I've been a part of give to the poor, help the needy, are outreaching. I thank God for good churches. Man, I was driving down the street here yesterday long with, with Ellie. There was a, a, like a mass of people around this ice cream truck, and I'm like, oh, no, they're jumping him. Right happening right here. It's going down. Like I thought I was going to see this thing, thing shaking. But then I get closer to them, and they got signs. Free ice cream. Free ice cream. Now you know why everybody was there. It's right down here in Long. Free ice cream. That happens anywhere in this world. That place is going to be packed. Are you listening to me? And then all of a sudden, honk if you want prayer. And then you see a church sign. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus, for the church. We're not the only ones giving out stuff. Amen. 
Now, what would you rather have, ice cream or arroz cocandules? You pick your choice. But you had ice cream last week or yesterday, and you're going to get arroz cocandules next week. But that's the church. Only a church would do that. I can just imagine what they did. They probably ran up on that ice cream truck and said, listen here, dude, I'll give you, the pastor, I'll give you, five. this is how I would do it, I'll give you 500 bucks if I could buy out your whole truck and you just park it here and I hold up a sign. Because that's literally what it looked like. They had a, does that mean it's time to close? Yes, thank you. <laughs> I, think, I think they're getting too smart for me now. Like just shutting off the light. <laughs> what point am I on? My point 17. I'm on point 17. Give me seven more points. Here we go. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wide build, wise builder and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. I love what Ishmael said about the church on Facebook. Because you know every now and then people get sassy on Facebook, you know. People leave churches and they get sassy. You know, like, nobody loves me at church anymore. Church used to be cool, but it's not. Hashtag lonely. Hashtag looking for a real church. Here I am. Feel sorry for me. And I love what Ishmael said. I love what Ishmael said. He's like, anybody that dogs the church doesn't have a heart for the church because Jesus is giving grace for people to build the church. Now, I'm not saying every church is the best church in the world. Just find you one and stop complaining about it. Amen? There's enough out here for you to find you one. Praise God. Number 18, the grace of God gives us the spirit of giving and generosity. 2 Corinthians 8, 7. I can do it. I can definitely finish this by 12. I so can do this. How many believe I can do it? I'm not even going to look. Okay, some of y'all do. Okay, I'm not. Once I said I sh- once I felt I was asking, I felt like I shouldn't look up because I'll get discouraged. Like nobody's hands would be up. Oh, like one person. Okay, here we go. 2 Corinthians 8, 7, I touched on it before about giving. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love. How many think you should excel in all these things? Love, kindness, all of that, right? Well, watch this. See that you also excel in the grace of giving. So, Lord, increase my business so I can increase in giving. Increase my abilities and and an understanding of things so I can be a blessing. Everybody say amen. How about this? 2 Corinthians 12, 9. The grace of God makes us sufficient to pass every trial we face in life. Has anybody ever faced a trial in life? How did you get through it? By the grace of God. If you're in a trial right now, how are you going to get through it? By the grace of God. You've always heard the saying, it's true, God won't give you more than you can handle. Because he's holding, his burden, he's holding your burdens for you. It's not just a cliche. When you find yourself at the end of what you can do, that's God's grace saying, I can do what you can't do for yourself. So many people in life, I mean, I could tell you, 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 you heard about the persecuted church stories. I could tell you so many like that. Stories where it's just like, oh my gosh, how are they going to make it? But it's the grace of God. And the grace of God gives you the power in your hour of need. It's the power in your hour of need. Let's all say it together. Grace is God's power in my hour of need. Here's what he says right here. He says, "My." but he said to me, Paul is saying that Jesus spoke this to him, and I believe Jesus is saying it to all of us. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. 
And then Paul said back, therefore, I will boast and be all the more happy about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. I will not try to live life without God. When I find myself needing God, instead of complaining, I'll start praising because it rec- it's a good thing because I'm recognizing my need. Number 20. Everybody say number 20. The grace of God gives us Abraham's inheritance, Galatians 3.18. Turn there quickly. How many ever heard of the guy named Abraham in the Bible? How many think he's a pretty important guy? Right? Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham, and I am one of them, and so are you, right? So let's just praise the Lord, right arm, Father Abraham. How many heard that song? You remember that? Well, those of you who haven't, that is a famous children's song, and it teaches our children that Father Abraham had many sons and that we're a part of that blessing that was promised to him. And here it is in Galatians. It says, for if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on the promise. But God in his grace gave it to Abraham through a promise. So how did God give Abraham his uh, inheritance? By grace through a promise. Now go to verse 29. Quickly, how does it relate to us? This is how it relates to us in verse 29. It says, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And it says, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the... So whatever God is giving Abraham, we're getting. How many want to get some of what Abraham has? Every time I say this word, we're blessed to be a blessing, you know where that's found? Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, God's promise to Abraham was, I will bless you to be a blessing. That's why. Now you know where it comes from. Amen? Uh, number 21, Galatians 5, 4. The grace of God keeps us from trying to be justified by the law and good works. Has anybody ever here started off as a Christian following God's grace, but then you found yourself becoming a legalizing Jewish kind of person trying to live out your Christianity by laws? See, a lot of us who have been Christianity for a while, we started off going like, man, I'll never be a Pharisee. I'll never be a pharisaical Jewish type attitude, right? Not like, you know, we're talking races. I'm not talking like Jews are bad people because Jesus was a Jew. How many know Jesus was a Jew? Amen. He's an awesome Jew. I love Jews. But I'm just talking like in the Bible, there's these religious, pharisaical kind of attitudes and people around. And the Bible here is always telling us that's not how you live for Christ. So what would they do? These people, they would dress nice but have dirty hearts. And God would call, uh, Jesus called them whitewashed tombs. Are you with me? They would make loud noises when they would give. Like imagine like they were here and they would give. They would be like, hey, everybody. Here I am giving $100 in the offering. That's how they would do it. When they would pray, they would just be in front of every, our, in front of everybody, all religious. Our Father, thou art so awesome because thou loveth me and loveth all that I do. And God just rebukes them all the time, calls them whitewashed tombs, calls them serpents and snakes and vipers, calls them hypocrites. Remember when the woman was in adultery and they're about ready to stone her? Those were those guys. And, and like, where was the dude she was sleeping with? One of those guys. But we're not going to stone him. Why? Because we're hypocrites. We're going to stone the woman. Y'all remember that story, right? Here's what, said, here's what Paul said when we start to act like that. You ever feel like, don't raise your hand, but you ever sometimes feel like that, like you're in the church and you're going to start judging everybody? Like it's my turn to judge now. I'm a spect inspector. I'm going to make sure I check out everybody and make sure they're living for God. It's, it's not accountability. It's not really helping. It's just judging, thinking you're better than people. This is what God says. Look, at this is my Bible, by the way. This is my highlight version right here. Where are we at? What verse? 
Verse 4, you who are trying to be justified by law have alienated yourself from Christ. You have fallen from God's grace. If you ever think now that being a goody two-shoe makes you who you are, you're now falling from grace. Does everybody get that? There's two sides of this. There's the lawless who think, oh, I'll just keep sinning because God doesn't care. And then there's the legalist. Oh, I better do this, this, and this, and you better do it too or God's going to send us all to hell. Both of those are ditches. Legalism, lawlessness, what's right in the middle? Love for God's grace and truth. Jesus came full of grace and truth. You love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself, and you'll avoid lawlessness, just sinning to keep sinning, no transformation, and you'll avoid legalism, always condemning yourself and condemning others. Everybody say amen. Come on, three more left. The grace of God compels us to preach, Ephesians 3.8. We've talked about that. The grace of God strengthens our hearts to resist a condemnations, Hebrews 13.9. And number four, turn with me quickly to Titus chapter 2, verse 11, in closing, Here's the close, and everybody say, it's about time, Pastor. Did you really mean that? I don't know. I kind of felt like I had to say it for you. How many are happy you came to church today? Amen. Where else would you be? In a house looking at the rain. That's all you'd be doing. Amen. This is the best of the best of the best about God's grace. And, brothers, we got to tilt this screen differently because for some reason today I've been getting a very big glare. Just to let you know, that's why I keep turning my back towards the audience. So audience, please forgive me. Amen. We'll work on the glare. Oh, this is it. Band, would you come? Because we're going to crescendo on this. Look at this. Last one, 24. The grace of God in the person of Jesus Christ teaches us to say no to ungodliness, but to live for him. We started, number one, that grace is a person. And all of those attributes and the book end. So one is here, John 1, 16, grace is a person. That's how Jesus came, full of grace and truth. All of those points we've went through, you can look at it like this. And then this last one, 24, says that grace appeared to us through Jesus. And he's telling us to not do that, but to do this, to avoid evil and to come to him. Look at this awesome scripture. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to how many people? How many people is it offered to? All people. And it teaches us to say no to ungodliness, worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age while we wait, hallelujah, for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness, to purify himself a people that are his very own eager to do what is good if you love jesus will you stand to your feet give him a hand clap of praise because he is the expression of god's grace let's pray thank you lord thank you for grace would you thank him in your own words right now thank you for grace Thank you, Father, for sending Jesus to give us grace. Oh, just thank him right now. Come on, 30 seconds. Thank him. What has God done for you? It's all by his grace. 
Are you thankful that you're saved? Are you thankful that there's a new identity in your life? You've been changed. Are you thankful that you're justified? Are you thankful for the gifts he's given you? Are you thankful that sin is no longer your master? Are you thankful that there's an internal hope and encouragement for you? Oh, today, are you thankful for the church? Are you receiving Abraham's inheritance through Jesus? Are you thankful for the ministry and the gifts he's put in you? Are you thankful for the grace of God? It's not a library. Would you talk to him? 15 more seconds. Come on, saints, just talk to him. Don't worry about what your neighbor thinks. We don't have to be quiet now. You've heard enough of me. Talk to him. Encounter him. Tell him, gracias, Señor. There's no one like you. You're more than just somebody we talk about. You're somebody we talk to. Come on, I'm going to say that again for some of you still waiting to pray. Jesus is more than somebody we talk about. He's somebody we talk to. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Your grace saved me. Your grace changed me. Your grace sanctified me. Your grace gives me hope. I thank you that your grace is giving the Sutherland family hope today. Your grace is amazing. Your grace is amazing. Your grace is outstanding. Second to none. Can everybody say amen? In closing, I want you to see this scripture. It's something that I want you to get an image of because it's in the Bible and it gives us an image. And the example is, at the bottom it says in John 1.16, out of his fullness, talking about Jesus, and it's in the same passage that we've already read, 118 and onward. But here you see this, out of his fullness, Jesus' fullness, we have received grace in place of grace already given. And if you could just look up at me, I want you to think of this right here. It's not that God's grace ever gets old, but he always has new grace when we have new problems. And so I just want you to think about the greatest meal you could ever imagine eating today. Like right now, you're gonna go eat it, right? Like this is the best of the best. What happens when that meal is done? It's gone, right? You're full, but then dinner comes around and you get hungry again. Maybe leftovers, or maybe you go to bologna sandwiches or whatever, right? This is the image Christ is giving us. Is when you're sitting down for breakfast, he gives you the best. When you come back at lunchtime, he gives you the best. When you sit down and have dinner, he gives you the best. Every time Jesus is encountering you and I, he is preparing a table before us of the finest of his spiritual goodies that are yummies to our tummies. And he is saying, have as much as you like. So in closing, and I want you to take this serious, please. Let's get serious. Everybody go get serious. God's grace we're talking about. Got to get serious. I want you to know every time you and I come in prayer, God is not saying, oh, man, look at them again. Oh, my gosh, they always are talking to me. Like, do you not figure it out yet? 
Can we turn down the piano just a little bit, please? Every time you're coming to God, you know what he's saying? I'm so glad you're here. I've got all this prepared for you. Oh, husband, father, husband, you know I'm talking to. You're weary. It's hard. Everyone's looking to you for an answer. You don't have it all together. You come to Jesus. He says, I got wisdom spread out for you right here. Here is wisdom. Sir, you need strength. Here's strength. Single mom, do you feel like you've told everybody your problems a hundred times and you feel embarrassed? You feel like when you come to church, people are looking at you. Oh, there's the single mom. Oh, I'm so much better than her. You know what Jesus says? He says, close your eyes when you come to this church because I want to wrap my arms around you because you're my daughter and I'm so glad you're here and I'm so glad your child's here. I'm so glad I, that you came. I want to tell you the plans I have for you. Young person, you're out there now in the summer. You're seeing the block is hot. Them drop it like it's hot. All these things. And you're just like, how am I going to live for Jesus out here? You know what Jesus says? He says, come here. Come here, essay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Sorry, pardon the gringo. Come here, homeboy. Jesus says, come here. Meet me in your prayer closet. And I'll give you a high like no high you've ever seen on the streets. I'll comfort your hearts like these guys don't have. I'll be a father to you where your father's not around. That's what Jesus says. Lastly, you know what he says to every Christian worker, every laborer, every elder, every deacon, every person that loves God so much, and you feel like you pour it out, the worship band, you guys, you pour it out, you pour it out, you pour it out, and then like, like, oh man, my cup is empty, I'm so tired. Like every church family knows what I'm talking about. You go home and you crash, you take a nap, your kids are passed out, you know what I'm saying? You know what Jesus says to the worship band? This is what Jesus says to you guys. He says, shh, let me sing a song over you now. Let me sing a song about my beloved over you. Let me speak to you and refill you and refresh you and give you what you've been pouring out to others, my love. See, grace upon grace grace upon grace he is always saying there's room for us so altar workers would you come we're going to close out just with a real quick dismissal prayer thank you for your time tomorrow we're going to, next week we're going to try to up it 30 points on grace no i'm kidding but we're going to talk about something totally different about grace next week so thank you for letting me do 24 points but here are some grace workers they want to pray with you if you need help receiving the god uh, god's grace let's pray father 